Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fouls, and what's working for them in the market. If you enjoy the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. That's enough from me. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Vincent Cote, Senior Director, Go-To-Market, Marketing, ANZ at Salesforce, about how the team at Salesforce approached designing go-to-market strategies and what other marketers can learn from the process. On that note, let's dive in. Vincent, thanks for joining us. Great. Nice to be here. Thanks for making the time. No, super, super excited. Go-to-market is a big topic in, in the marketing world. And, and, and sometimes there's a lot of pressure on, on marketers where leadership kind of throws it around. We're like, let's design a go-to-market strategy. And, uh, and just everyone starts to, uh, to, to run after the chicken. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that at Salesforce, right? So the, 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 the part that I want to start, the point that I want to start on is how do you approach go-to-market, right? And, and, and creating that strategy for at Salesforce. Yeah, and this will lead into, I guess, a, a bigger kind of theme that you'll see around stakeholder marketing. Here at Salesforce, we serve everything from logos that you see on the skyline of the cities, you know, to walking through your local Westfield, uh, all the way through to small to medium businesses, right? That real high growth part of our economy. And as we establish our go-to-market, we have teams that look after those dedicated territories, those dedicated size of companies, and now different geographies as we expand over the Australian, New Zealand and Asia-Pacific market. And what's important to us in that go-to-market is to ensure that we have people who understand the communities and customers they serve. Uh, I think any marketers, the nirvana is to get to a one-to-one personalization, right? That is the, the nirvana that all marketers are chasing. The reality is you can't do that with effective budget, scale, and efficiency. So you make trade-offs between them. So here at Salesforce, we really do focus on that capability of bringing, I think, focus, attention, uh, listening, curiosity, and then to embrace that particular community or that audience to better understand them and everything that's impacting them as well, I think that is really important. So that's how we look about our go-to-market. Got it. Okay. So it's, so it sounds like it's 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 kind of two or three layer. You, you talked about territory, talked about geography, and you talked about uh, vertical. Is there a difference between territory and, uh, and, and geography or they're kind of the same? No, absolutely not. Uh, we are different. We have people who focus on personas. You know, marketing, sales, service, the IT professional, the developer, all very different in how they consume information, where they look for information, how they act, they behave. Then we have geographies where we focus on emerging geographies, you know, how we're opening up new regions, creating more of a presence in those regions. When I first started at Salesforce, you know, we had a very large Sydney office. Melbourne was ever evolving. Now we're Brisbane. We've got offices in Adelaide. We're also now expanding into places like Perth, Auckland, New Zealand. You know, as you sort of grow that territory, you need to grow your marketing and your presence, your brand, uh, your mechanics that go into those markets as well. Got it. That, I mean, that that sounds, that that does sound like a nirvana for a marketer where there is go-to-market strategy from a personal level, from a geography perspective, and and a vertical perspective. That is that is quite quite diverse, and 
where would you start? Like if, if somebody ha doesn't have a lot of resources, right? And, and obviously the resources that Salesforce has, wh where do you think it's a, it's a good place to start for, uh, for, you know, a, a organization of a medium size in, you know, in Australia where they're trying to do their go to market. Do you think, would you, would you advise them to kind of start from a geography perspective, from the kind of persona level, from a, um, uh, um, vertical perspective? What are your thoughts on, on starting points? Uh, I'm going to mix things up a little bit here. I've also worked for smaller organizations, by the way, not always big organizations. From my perspective, it's about prioritization uh, is the key. So it's understanding your target market for your solution sets. And the difficulty is not wanting to be everything to everyone. You're going to leave opportunity behind. But what you want to focus on is what is that biggest addressable market that you have what is the biggest solution set competitive edge that you have to that particular audience and community and then go and win that audience. Don't try and go, well, there's also opportunity in this B, this second level, but I don't have the resources because then you're splitting. You're splitting your resources and you're splitting your impact and your return on investment. So the focus needs to be on what is the top opportunity? What is the top problem that we can solve that we're most relevant to that community? We have the most alignment with that community, with our solution sets, and then go after and win that solution set. And once you're winning, you're producing, you've got money, you've got cash flow coming in, then think about what is the next? What is the next likely audience community that I can serve? I think a lot of the time, uh, and I've been in many conversations and at Salesforce, I think we, we do it really well on how we prioritize our business is that you get torn as a market. Oh, but we could do this. There's absolutely opportunity. We could win this customer over here, but it detracts and you move and you take budget. You don't get scale. You don't get efficiency. You don't get optimization. So I think double down, focus hard on a single audience where you have the most alignment. And then once you've won them over, move on to your next. And slowly, slowly add that. I love that. Yeah, because it, you, you, yeah, you should you shouldn't try to boil the ocean right 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 off the bat, Absolutely. and uh, and it just becomes so challenging. That's a great segue for the next question that I want to ask you is: What are some of the mistakes that you see marketers and organizations in general make when they're designing their go to market strategy? Look, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to come to it from more of a bit of a personal experience. Uh, I'm a product Let's marketer by trade. That's my background. So if you think about a product marketer, I came from a solution engineering background in the product set, so understood use cases, but I relied heavily on research, research from analyst materials, total addressable market, where the opportunity was. And I think I, therefore, when I focus on putting together my go-to-market strategy, I was very data-led, which is nothing wrong with that. But I failed to take on other indicators. I failed to take, you know, actually talking to actual customers, customers in region. You know, a lot of the research that we get, especially here in the Australian New Zealand market, a lot of it's led by US-based organizations. And I wasn't taking in here, what is the local customer experience? What is different about our markets, our regulations, our trends that is different to the US markets or the European markets? And that for me was a real, really big shift. And then I started moving to listening to customers, going out, which at that stage in some, some you know, industries, you know, going out for a marketing person and going along with a salesperson on a tag long ride was really unusual. And, but what you got to hear is you got to still hear is. firsthand from customers. Yeah, still is. 
firsthanding their customers and hearing their challenges and problems is just, it's an epiphany. And that, that creates these little moments where you also get to see the other side. You get to see salespeople who are leveraging your marketing material and how they use it. What are some of the rebuttals they get? What are some of the questions that get asked? So for me, I think bringing in that first party information, bringing in the knowledge that your sales teams and the other connection points to your customers have is where I've evolved as a, you know, designing go-to-market strategies and everyone has a perspective and those different varying ideas also brings innovation. Were there times that you're sitting in a sales meeting and then the salesperson is like using the assets that you created and in your head, you're like, oh my God, that's not what I meant for you to do with that. And uh, what are you doing here? Were there instances like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at Salesforce where we're very good with our enablement, how we look to take our messages to go to market, enable the team to go through that and learn and understand. And what I found was that people sometimes took that as almost like a script and kind of just went to market. And that was not the intention. The intention was for them to take it as a narrative, as a guideline, but personalized to each customer. But when you grow an organization so quickly as Salesforce does, you're onboarding reps really fast and sending them out into market and you bring people on. So that really meant that we had to go even further and deeper into that enablement process. And for me, you know, as a campaign lead, I would bring things to market. I'd be like, oh, wait, wait, hold on. This is a fantastic set of assets. We now need to teach people how to use those assets, how to engage with their consumers with those assets and the best ways to, you know, rebuttal, take feedback, deal with competitive questions, pricing questions. So that became a real involvement. But I never would have seen that unless I was sitting there at the cold face, right, experiencing what the salesperson is doing and doing those, you know, listening tools, whatever you want to call it, ride-alongs. But, you know, just doing a couple of those even every year just really just gives you this really good sensory uh, injection of just a, a dose of reality and, you know, what you need to do. But that knowledge, when you bring that back to your teams, when you bring it back to your creative team, your messaging team, your digital team, you can really change the impact and also the return on investment that you're putting for your budget into market. I love that. I love that. And, and there's just so much pushback for something like that to be implemented in organizations. And not only from management, even from marketers, right? Where they're like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to go out. I just, I'm, I'm comfy here. Um, kind of putting my messaging framework together and putting my brochures together. And still there is a lot of pushback from, from them to go in the field and, and have a conversation with, with organizations and even from management where it's like, why would you spend time? Nah, you know, what you, you're talking about three hours, the commute and go there and, and spend that time in terms of uh, Budget, understanding the customer. Travel, you, yeah, absolutely. All of that. But Salesforce, you know, we put the customer at the center of everything we do. Customer success, innovation, trust, they are core values that Salesforce holds true. And in everything we do, we lead with those values. So I find that friction a lot less here at Salesforce. Yeah, the salespeople are happy to kind of bring you along, to bring you into the customers. But what they need to see is they need to see what you do with that information. I think that is the big trust-building exercise. Mm, interesting. Is if you take the information and ignore it uh, and go back to, you know, just go back to the research or go back to the template or the narrative or whatever it may be, 
then that's that's where you lose trust and you lose, uh, I guess, validation with your sales team. If you can bring back and go, yeah. wow, you know what? I just heard this and then I validated it with the data. And as a result, we're pivoting and changing our marketing. Salespeople really lean into that. That's so. That's such a great advice. And, and I feel like it's not even just ignoring it, but sometimes I feel like marketers might take that in, but just forget to keep the salesperson in the loop. And the salesperson is like, what the hell happened? All right, I brought you over there and, you know, we, we had that conversation. So it's so important to, to uh, hopefully you're not ignoring it, but if you're, you're not ignoring it and, and you're incorporating it, making sure that the salesperson also is, is across the fact that you are incorporating it. Well, we're pretty fortunate here at Salesforce. We're pretty fortunate here at Salesforce, I guess, and we have excellent tools and solutions to hold those types of conversations, that information, and centralize to provide that single source of truth for all of those conversations, which is beautiful. So before I visit a customer, I can see what the customer is, their interactions, what's happening in the account. Once I leave, I place notes within Salesforce so that you know the salesperson, next time they go, I go, great. You saw a marketer, uh, had that conversation go, and therefore it's a little bit more fluid and a much simpler experience for the customer as well. Keeping the data in, in the CRM. You know, I was going to ask one question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this and, and you tell me what, what, how, how we can approach this. Every organization, the marketer is like, I need more data in the CRM. And the AEs or the SCRs or the sales teams, just they, they do whatever they can to get around putting data in the CRM. Is that also an issue at, at Salesforce? It is not an issue at Salesforce. We love the fact that we focus on that customer. And that means that you need to hold the data. Now, one of the things I actually, you know, I spoke about, you know, the need to kind of bring talent into the organization and nurture that talent. One of the things I sell people on is the fact that as a marketer, we have these amazing tools with amazing sets of data, information and insights in them. And that's because the organization uses our own technology, our own solution set. And that is just such a rewarding thing for a marketer. You know, when my campaigns go to market, I can see the ROI. I can see the needle move and my impact as a marketer to the needle moving, which is a really rewarding thing. You know, I've got some friends in B2C and they do a lot of campaigns. And they, they fail to get that actual that traction and that tangible ROI or ability to kind of, you know, in other organizations, I've had to justify, you know, why I need budget, why I need money. I don't feel that at Salesforce. I can show the return on investment. And that's about holding the data in a single source of truth. I love it. I want to go back to, a, to something that you mentioned right at the beginning of our chat, where you talked about it's all about stakeholder marketing. What is that? What is stakeholder marketing? Define that for me. Sure. So if you think about any marketer, we're looking to engage and to build trust with the community. And here at Salesforce, we believe that it's all about looking at all the stakeholders. So it's not just about looking at a consumer or an individual buyer or even a buying team. There are people that they they trust, that they uh, rely on for information. So if you think about that, it's everything from government agencies who do regulation that heavily impacts the environment they work in. If you think about banking, you think about retail utilities. If you think about uh, industry bodies who provide them with information, trust, support, network, peer relationships, uh, lobbying then government on their behalf, uh, charitable foundations. 
you know, every industry has, you know, something that they value and they hold true, whether that be financial services, uh, you know, heavily focused as we come out of COVID around financial wellness and financial well-being. Uh, we look at utilities around, you know, the focus to going to net zero and renewable energy. Uh, we look at retail, sustainability, values, community. So all of those, everyone has a set of stakeholders and stakeholder marketing is about how you engage all of those stakeholders, both from being curious, listening, understanding, and leaning in. It's not just a one-way take, take, take. It's about how you lean in to those organizations and communities authentically. That's the, that's the hard part, to do it authentically. And to be able then to bring the power of bringing that, that ecosystem together to drive the industry forward. Wow. I mean, that that is a lot of logistics. There's a lot of moving parts. There's just so much that one needs to take into consideration. How does this tie in to when when you're working on a GTM planning? How, do, how, does, how does the stakeholder marketing component come in? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, there's a key stakeholder I left out, and that is our employees. Right, they also are a massive listening uh, device for us because they're talking to customers either day, every day, whether that's our customer success group who work heavily on implementing the solutions, our salespeople who day to day are out there, our support, our professional services, all of them provide information to us about you know what our customers are doing and what they're listening. So when we look to put a go-to-market strategy together, uh, if we look at retail, for example, you have organisations like Nora the Australian Retail Association, led by Paul Zara. You've got charitable foundations like uh, Good360, right? These, there are these organisations, there's government lobbyists, there's you know, the Minister for the Economy, for Industries, for Digital Transformation, for Skills. You know, once you start to get a handle on what is really important to that particular industry or that community, those consumers, it then enables you to start to map a path out for your go-to-market strategy on how you, one, build curiosity to better understand what's impacting your customers and impacting the employees in those companies and those accounts, and then the ability for you to therefore react and to react fast. I think that's the key thing. When you look at the moments that we've had in the industry, if I play that kind of retail industry out, look at COVID and the restrictions, right? Restrictions easing, restrictions coming, different masks, not masks. Think about the impact to the retail stock, right? And what happens? I could never, as a marketer sitting behind a desk, be able to understand the changes in that, the impacts to a retail store, increasing costs to things like providing PPE for their state, redesigning the storefront with shields and what that means to their cost and their bottom line, changing click to collect, right? So no in-store presence. It's merely just a click to collect, no stores coming through. I could never understand and process that level of change without partnering with industry associations and understanding the government legislation changes. But we have solutions that can absolutely help our customers to come out of that in growth. And we had some wonderful stories through that. But unless I've got those beacons of information coming to me from those different bodies, I can't move and educate my team on how to move really quickly to be able to embrace during a time where you know, a retailer is you know, potentially hemorrhaging money and looking for solutions. Costs are rising. Uh, demand is potentially going down. And we're asking them to invest in a solution. 
really difficult conversation to have unless you have a really good understanding of where your solution fits at that moment in time. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I can I can see I can see how challenging, especially I mean the past two years, how challenging that's going to be to really figure that out. A company as large as Salesforce operating in so many different verticals, and all of them are going through some sort of a transformation. It's just getting your head around that is going to be very very challenging, and but but also very very important for for the. Salesforce in this case, and in particular, to be able to uh, have a have a proper conversation with a customer. Talking about the customer, I'd I'd love to know a little bit more about like what is how do you look at the customer from the Salesforce lens, right? How do they come into the go to market plan, and what is your approach to 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 the customer? What is the end when you're when you're putting that model and strategy in place? What is your end goal for the customer? Yeah, great question. My end goal is to be able to hero that customer, right? I loved the way that I think Intel, you know, way back in the day, they heroed the engineer, right? And they really made a big deal of that. Here at Salesforce, we hero our customers, right? And not just our customers, but the people within those customers that are implementing our solution. We call them trailblazers. And here at Salesforce, what we really want to focus hard on is, and, and as a marketer, we have these amazing platforms. I want to focus on how do I get this brand new customer? How do I ensure their success? And then how do I amplify that success that creates value for them? You know, we have examples where, you know, we've been able to do out of home, displaying particular brands, but displaying those brands in front of the consumers that will highlight for them. So not necessarily to our buyers, but to ensure that they are getting value out of our co-marketing capabilities. So when we often integrate and start engaging with our customers on a journey, the first question we ask is, you know, what are you looking to do? Who is the target audience you want to win over? And sometimes there's different things that we hear. Some of them are, well, actually to attract talent, we want them to know that we're using the latest in tools for digital transformation. Right, so that's their differentiator to attract talent to their organization. It could be, well, actually, our differentiator in the market is to be an innovator. So we want to be seen as producing the next customer experience, the best user experience, the best app, right? And we know that Salesforce has a brand name that, that can help elevate that brand. How do we go to market together? So by heroing the customer, you have this innate capability and responsibility as a marketer to find the right audience to get them in front so that you're both deriving value from that relationship. I love that. I love that. I think that is, I mean, that's really hard as well. Most marketers are like, you know, hey, my end goal is to get a testimonial, to get a case study, right? And that's so self-centered where you bring that component of, hey, even if I, if, if they're going to talk about us, I want to have a I want to approach us that they get something out of it, man, that is hard. That's really challenging. It definitely is challenging, but w- when you think about the, you know, that buying community for a solution, they're not worried about a three-letter acronym, right? They're not going out into market saying, I want blah, 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 ABC. They're going into market saying, I want to win more business. I want to deliver amazing customer service. 
I want to deliver personalized messages to every customer, right? That's what they're going to market with. And so therefore, your customers, when you're amplifying their stories, that's the story you want to tell. Now, in order to enable that, there absolutely is a solution or a product at the end that enables that. But the hook, and as a market, what I need to do is I need to engage. And people want to know, oh, I want to create that amazing customer experience. That is cool. That's what I want to do. And then it's up to our salespeople, once we get that engagement, to tell them, well, let me tell you about how we were able to do that and what was involved and what solution sets were in there. But in the end, I'm totally focused on just selling them on, you know, what is that unique experience that they're sourcing to do and how do I amplify that brand and that story? Vincent, do you have some leading indicators as well that you look at? Because making the customer the hero, sometimes it would take time, right? Sometimes it would take, I mean, years in certain situations. Um, are there also some, some leading indicators that you have in place or you put in place in your, in your, in your GTM plans that kind of tells you, hey, we are going in the right direction. We are progressing in the, in, in the right, right direction. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. So I think at Salesforce, again, we're blessed with that single source of truth and data. We link all of our data together using our solution. So we get to see top of funnel metrics around impressions, views. We're very audience driven in how we look at that. So those communities and that go to market I mentioned earlier, we're able to split and divide the data into that, which gives us amazing insights as to, you know, the work that we're doing that is more top of funnel, more brand work, industry association based, what impact is that having on traffic coming in to our websites, into our content? And then what are we doing to nurture those individuals who maybe aren't ready to buy right now, who are very early stage in understanding and then progressing them through that funnel again using you know nurture automation tools, using personalization of what is the content and what is the journey. You've seen this, what about now? And what we're seeing now is the biggest trend I'm seeing around solutions is the how-to. So I think people, you know, they play buzzword bingo and they're in personalization, artificial intelligence, you know, know, efficiencies, whatever it may be, you know, customer experience, Nirvana, building trust, you know, all of these are really important. But in the end, what we need to do is we need to progress them through the funnel and what they need to know is I'm bought into that what now? When I go back to my desk on Monday morning, what do I do? Who are the stakeholders I'm engaging? What are the metrics for measurement? What's the governance? What does the first 90 days look like? So we're spending a lot of time with our customers now, heroing what they did in those first early days, in those first 90 days, because that's the real practical information that people can actually take away and go, someone's told me to look at a digital transformation project. What now? And that's the key thing. That's the key thing that we find that people are really looking for is, you know, how to, what do I need to do? What are the types of roles I need in my organization? What do I need to educate myself on? And then educate my board, my stakeholders, my my budget, my finance people in order to get these projects off the ground successfully. I love that. I love that. uh, That sounds great to kind of have that engagement with the customer of like, hey, what did you do in the first 90 days? And then repurpose that for other people of, okay, this is how your first 90 days is going to look like and what you need to do. Love that. 
Vincent, I got a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. But before we get there, is there anything that you you reckon I didn't cover or I didn't ask or we didn't cover in our conversation when it comes to go to market uh, plans and strategy? No, I think you've covered most of the sort of the, the proper areas. I think that's fine. All right. Let's do some rapid fire questions then. Let's do it. What is one resource, could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is, that has had a massive impact on the way you, you work or you live? Yeah, for me, real game changer was a book that then turned actually into a, I don't know, like a workshop camp that I went on. Uh, there's a book is called Leadership Transformed. Uh, it's by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Peter Fuda. And, you know, the, to boil it down very simplistically, it was about the power of empathy in leadership. And it was also focused about, you know, as you go and building your relationships, how you listen, how you become more curious, and also how you stay focused by focusing on what you can control. And I think we've seen a lot of that over the past couple of years. Of There are some certain trends and impacts and levers in market that you just can't control. So how do you take control of the things you can and operate and build and put the right energy, the right investment into the areas you can control? And for me, that was a, an absolute game changer. It changed the way I interacted with people in the organization. It, it helped me become more curious uh, when someone came to the table, maybe with a bit of uh, stress or frustration, my first question wasn't about being defensive. I turned to being curious. How can I help you? I'm sensing frustration. How can I lean into that? How can I support you? you know, what, how can we work together? How can we partner? I really changed the way that I built it. That, for me, has been a, an absolute game changer. Strongly recommendable. Leadership transformed. Love it. Question number two. If you could give only one advice to be to B2B marketers, what would it be? Be curious and listen. Look for those opportunities where you have an opportunity to understand behavior. We spoke earlier about going on ride-alongs, you know, marketers going into those moments, listening, reading to industry associations. I think the more that we can be curious, the more, you know, I think this is where diversity plays in, that ability to bring in different perspectives, the ability to then take those perspectives into your marketing helps your marketing to mirror you know, and align to the values and to be more relevant, to resonate with what is a diverse community that you serve. I love it. Question number three, who are some of the influencers that you follow in, the, in, in this space? I actually think my influences have changed over time. Uh, you know, I spoke about Dr. Peter Fuda, that was around leadership, and that was my transition into a people manager. Now, Brian Solis. He's a futurist around digital transformation. He's helping a lot of customers about how they map a path to find opportunities in this ever-changing world. You know, we're moving to the metaverse, and Brian Solis is, you know, absolutely he is my North Star at the moment. I, I love reading his articles as he talks to customers uh, across all sorts of different industries and how he's finding opportunities for them to succeed and to grow their organizations, uh, but also looking to, you know, be valuable to the community they serve. I love it. Last question, Vincent. Last question is, what is something that excites you about B2B today? Oh, that's a real simple one. When I look at B2B, funnily enough, the thing that excites me the most is how we're moving to understand more and become more like B2C marketers. 
we look at organizations really want to own the end relationship, right? We want to own and benefit the end consumer. And that for me is absolutely the thing that excites me. There are various trends that are happening at the moment, whether it be you know, cookie-less futures, the fight for first-party data, open data regulations, while you know, open banking is the starter. We're going to see you know, those really come out to other industries. And I see that as such a great opportunity that even if you don't have a direct relationship with an actual consumer or customer, you now have the ability to start to build a brand and engage. And that, for me, I think is really exciting, that B2B, B2C uh, involvement. Vincent, this has been a pretty awesome conversation. And you've, you've dropped a lot of golden nuggets, a lot of insights. So I just want to say thanks again for coming on the podcast and really enjoyed our chat. No, I love it. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a big time follower. So it's kind of a, a bucket list moment to actually uh, feature on the podcast. So thanks for your time as well. Really appreciate it. Pleasure is absolutely ours. Thank you so much. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Semito with additional editing and music arrangement also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And maybe even share the pod with a friend if you loved it that much. Thanks again for all the support and looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.